Good afternoon and welcome to the Auto Retail Network Business Briefing. At the end of a momentous week for the UK, today we have had a mini-budget, mm, mini, interesting, from the Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng uh, with his focus on growth. That will be most welcome, of course, to automotive retailers if the words are backed up with meaningful actions. In today's business briefing um, for the Auto Retail Network, we're going to start with a surprise guest, uh, analysis of the Chancellor's statement from Mike Jones. Um, and then we'll be discussing the key challenges uh, facing retailers and how to navigate through them, uh, consumer spending, uh, vehicle supply, used car values, um, and sustaining after-sales activity. Our panel today are all hands-on leaders in the sector. Jason Cranswick from Murabeni Auto Investment, Tom Slack from the Ron Brooks Group, and Mark Palmer from Autotrader, one of whom is achieving 4% return on sales. Uh, we'll be finding out how they're doing that uh, before we come to the end of the programme. I sense that you're going to have some comments and probably some questions today, so do please feel free to join the conversation. Uh, you can do that on social media by using the hashtag ARNLive, and Tristan Young, our editorial director, is keeping an eye across the socials. Uh, and of course, you can join in by typing your question here into the webinar, which comes through to Tristan as well. So please do take part in the conversation. But of course, it is a sea of uncertainty. We have at the moment a new government, a car market impacted by war, pandemic and inflation. That's a cheery thought for a Friday. So it's a key moment for the Chancellor to set out the fiscal road ahead. Delighted to welcome Mike Jones from Fresh Track Holdings, who's been listening to and analysing budget statements probably since he was a little lad. But for business, he's been doing it for more than 25 years. Mike, what's the direction that the Chancellor has taken today? And, and what are the key items that are relevant to us in the automotive sector? Uh, thanks very much, Al. Uh, good afternoon and good afternoon, everybody, on this uh, sort of surprise visit as I'm talking about the um, the Chancellor's announcements today. I mean, the general picture, as you sort of picked up, Al, is that they're going for growth. I mean, in they, they appear in a real rush to implement the policies that they've come up with. Um, there's maybe up to 18 months until uh, we move into an election. Uh, and they were really keen to get a boatload of announcements out there, so sort of over 30 policies. And what I'll try and do is distill down some of the ones that are um, uh, more relevant to the uh, to the, the audience. Um, they didn't want uh, the numbers scrutinised, um, hence why it is a fiscal event rather than an official budget or mini budget or autumn statement or anything else. So. We haven't got firm numbers as to how much this is all going to cost, but it's clear they're trying to jumpstart the economy. Um, the Bank of England yesterday said that we're potentially in recession now. Um, that doesn't bode well for future uh, re-election um, sort of chances for, for Liz Truss. So they're clearly trying to boost the economy, trying to get it on, on track. But they're currently working at odds with the Bank of England, who are um, putting up interest rates and, and worried about uh, uh, seriously worried about inflation. Um, they're clearly making a bet that the the growth that comes through as a result of these policies will pay for them. Um, from a business point of view, everything was very much put on debt. 
there was no reduction in spending. It was just all um, uh, reducing income and, and putting it on borrowing uh, and hoping that future revenues will pay for it. Uh, the most relevant measures, if I look at sort of business businesses and business owners, um, was very positive, certainly in the short term, uh, and certainly if you're making a, um, a sizable return. Uh, the planned increase in corporation tax has been binned, um, so that's remaining at 19%, so clearly we have a, a less of a tax drag in that point of view. Um, they've also scrapped the, in, the increase that they put in early on in the year on national insurance, that's employees, uh, national insurance, employers, national insurance, and also the dividend uh, tax increase that they put in as well. That's all disappearing from the 6th of November. Um, they have got rid of the or get are getting rid of the 45% um, top tax rate. Um, if there's anybody who is paying the 45% tax rate, they will suddenly be deferring their bonuses um, or their income uh, until after the 6th of April next year um, to reduce the, uh, the amount of tax that they that they pay on that with the removal of the 45% rate. They've set up about 40 investment zones around the UK. Uh, where there's reduced uh, rates, tax, investment allowances. We don't quite know where they are yet. Uh, and, we, and apparently the rules are going to be different for each one. So we won't know uh, what happens until we get the, the, the detail out. And that's always the case with, with any form of budget. Um, investment is still being backed. They've, they've kept the annual investment allowance at a million. They're not reducing it as was previously planned. Uh, for self-employed um, uh, people around the place, they've got rid of all the more recent changes in uh, IR35 tax. So, um, um, a lot of the loops that we had to jump through or hoops that we had to jump through um, uh, from 2017 and 2021 have been binned. Um, and if if the current economy and, and everything is driving you to drink, then uh, it will be cheaper than it would have been because he's not increasing the tax rates on, on alcohol. From a demand side point of view, they are trying to stimulate demand, um, albeit there's not as much um, uh, from a sort of lower rate demand point of view, uh, the basic rate of income tax is dropping to 19% from um, next tax year, uh, so dropping dropping 1p. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be loads more coming out as we get into the detail and, and find out what's, what's going on. And the challenge with all this is that as he sort of puts more money back in people's pockets, it gets swallowed up by inflation. We've already seen the, the pound continue to fall um, uh, against the dollar. So all imports are going to go uh, up in price. And the danger is from their point of view that people um, uh, either don't feel any better off because they're just paying for increased amounts um, uh, that they're seeing uh, coming into their, their, their household budgets and or they choose to save. Uh, I mean, we are all getting both individuals and, and companies are getting the energy um, uh, rebate. Um, uh, and the, the cap on energy prices. That will limit the amount of inflation, uh, but there's certainly going to be um, uh, some coming through from the, the, the drop in the pound. Um, so it's a gamble. It's a gamble on whether we're going to be able to effectively spend their way out of the recession that it looked like that we were previously heading into. So so politics aside, uh, and, and you know, literally politics aside, if you're a business owner um, and you're sitting with us this afternoon looking at the showroom, thinking about the budget, are you going to be happier as a result of what we've heard this morning or are you going to be, hmm? On, on a personal point of view, I, th I think they'll be happier. I mean, it's very rare as a higher rate tax paying business owner um, that the budget brings any good news. Um, it's usually a, um, a sort of working out how you're going to end up paying more tax. Well, 
sort of ideologically, they've moved very much away from that. And uh, uh, as we've seen from, from various announcements, no, they're quite happy to say, I mean, it doesn't really affect a lot of the, the viewers on the thing, but they've binned the bankers' bonuses, as uh, additional tax as well. So they seem to be quite happy saying, um, if you earn more, then then you can keep more of it. Um, uh, and we need those entrepreneurial businesses to employ more people, to put more uh, cash into the economy that then gets spent and, uh, and ultimately results in them increasing their tax revenue. Mike, really appreciate you taking the time to join us this afternoon. I know very short notice um, and you've got to uh, head off, for, but thank you very much for uh, being with us here on Auto Retail Live. Um, as we are talking about business briefing, um, looking ahead really now towards the end uh, of 2022, Christmas is not far off, stuff's already in the shops. Um, and with that in mind, let, let's let's take a look at the market um, and, and then dig into some of the ideas and the actions which are actually going to help drive business in in the run up to the end of 2022. So welcome to Mark Palmer. Um, Mark's brand director at Auto Trader will be well known to uh, many of you. Um, let's take the temperature of the market here, uh, Mark. What are you seeing through the Auto Trader platform in terms of consumer behaviour? Thanks, Al. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Nice to see you again. Uh, yeah, the, um, the, the, the data is telling us um, a, a picture which is, which is actually pretty, pretty stable. Um, there are a number of, of indicators that we kind of use to, to work through you know, what demand is looking like, um, how consumers are feeling, and what, kind of, um, what, what the market might feel like, what the temperature is, and so on and so forth. And of course, there are a bunch of headlines that we've, we've all seen over the, you know, recent weeks, actually, you know, the first of which we hear that car demand is falling um and just just to address that one first of all um, engagement is in, on the platform below where it was in 2021 um but we always try to apply you know a bit of a broader context to the data that we're seeing because of the records that we saw through 2020 and then into 2021 and actually um views of cars and views on auto trader are up 16 percent versus 2019 um, in, in the last month of august so kind of demand is is actually ahead of what we would have seen as pre-pandemic norms um, and actually quite far ahead. Um, the next thing, I guess, is what's happening with sales. Um, and obviously, you know, sales volumes are, are behind where they've been at a total level. We all know that's being driven predominantly by supply constraints. But where there is stock available, um, we're seeing healthy sales. You know, if I look at, for example, five-year-old cars, stock is up about 14%, sales are up 15%. So where there are cars, we're seeing those cars sold and the speed of sale is two days faster than it was a few years ago as well. So, you know, with we, demand is there, cars are moving um, and they're moving pretty quickly. And, and, and just to come back to your question on consumers and how they feel, um, you know, cars are not a discretionary purchase. There's nothing in our survey data or in those numbers that I've just, just mentioned that, that tell us that people are kind of making different types of decisions. Transportation is still really important to people. And actually, you've, you've got this emerging sense among the public that they can't rely on public transport. During the COVID period, we had people who were looking to buy a car because they wanted to avoid public transport. Um, and that's about 10% of our audience every month still. But on top of that, of course, you've got, you know, strike activity and unrest and so on and so forth, which is, you know, in our last survey dip uh, last month, 50% of people don't think they can rely on public transport. So they're starting to look um, to look at cars. So all in all, um, you know, especially when we overlay that context, and that's super important to do that, what we're seeing is, is, you know, healthy demand. It's not surging like it was, of course, in 2021. But certainly when we look at um, 
what we might call a more normal period, um, demand inquiries are all um, are all pretty positive, actually. Okay, Mark. Let, let's let's throw that um, across the country uh, and talk to Jason Cranswick, Chief Operating Officer of Marabeni Auto Investments. Um, Jason, you've got 21 dealers um, under the RRG Motor Group. That's mainly in the Northwest um, and West Yorkshire. Uh, and then nine in Norton Way, uh, London and sort of Hertfordshire, north, north of London. So the spread of brands, the spread of geographies. Um, Mark there is, is seeing a positive picture in a way of, of interest and, and consumer demand. How is kind of inflationary pressure affecting customers in, in your showrooms? Are they, are they still there and everything's going okay? Jason, we seem to have um, we seem to have lost you at this point. Let's turn to Tom, actually Tom Slack, who's Group Strategy and Innovation Leader uh, for Ron Brooks uh, Motor Group. Now, Ron Brooks is in uh, Derbyshire and Nottinghamshire. Um, Tom, from from what you've heard from Mark, are you seeing a reflection in your business in terms of uh, normal levels of interest and, and showroom traffic? I think. Uh we'll definitely understand that we're going into quarter four and things are steadier, um, but there are consumers out there, definitely. And there still is levels of interest across the board. I think new cars probably suffering more than used demand, but I think just like everything, it's it's about what are you actually selling? Have you got desirable vehicles using the data? Uh, and there is good demand. Uh, we're, we're up on used cars, this quarter v last year so that that uh, you know is a, is a positive thing and that's because we're using the data but i think in general yeah consumers there will be a change of circumstances for some um so we've got to be aware of that but at the moment that there is still you know, strong demand for used cars albeit new is is a little bit more challenging and another, you're mainly um, uh, a private buyer's business, so if you could argue the kind of the real market uh, buying with uh, buying with money rather than through business. And is there any change in their um, their approach to it? Is there any nervousness about the economy, given what's been talked about, inflation and rates of interest and all the rest of it? Does that not play any part in it? Because as Mark says, it's not a discretionary product; you have to have it. Yeah, well, with discretionary product, I think uh, if we go back to the last major recession, used cars did very well. So from a used car perspective, I certainly agree with Mark. With new, that might not be as discretionary all the time as much as a used vehicle. Um, but yeah, I think customers, uh, consumers are aware of the wider market. They know the bills are going up. Everyone's reading about energy problems, which are to some degree being uh, helped by government and macro policies but inflation is real you know it is actually happening and we saw that probably before most of the the wider markets and industries with used cars we were probably the first driver of that so um i think they're aware of it but i think uh again if prices go up in general typically that, that that's the marketplace so i think there's still there, there's a lot of angst in the in the uh from consumers but the ones that you know, there's, if you're a good dealer and you can kind of explain 
what you're doing, what you're selling, why, you know, where the market's going perhaps in the future of interest rates and the future of prices, actually transacting today is probably a better alternative. You can join the conversation uh, by hashtag ARN Live. So use social media, uh, type in Twitter um, your question, or you can type your question here into the webinar using the dialogue box below. It's the also retail live briefing. Uh, I think we can return to Jason, Jason Cranswick, uh, Chief, Operating, Chief Operating Officer of uh, Marabeni Auto Investments. Jason, sorry, we had a bit of a technical um, glitch at that point, but we were looking at the geographic spread and whether there's a difference. Obviously, Tom gives us a view across the Midlands. You, you separate north and south. How, how is the market? Yeah, um, sorry, it was my fault. I'm not unmuted myself. So, um, uh, yeah, I think... Um, we see big similarities north and south. You know, I think the consumers were affected by um, cost of living concerns a few months ago. You know, that was quite acute. Um, I think we all suffered from the, the great vacation where everybody went on holiday for the month of, uh, of August, it, it felt. Um, but I think, you know, north and south now, um, I don't see huge differences in consumer demand and, and, and buying habits. Our showrooms are busy. And as I was saying before, when I go into either our car or our motorcycle showrooms, we've always got consumers in there transacting. And um, I think people are um, sensitive about lead times. And we're actually seeing with some brands now some volume coming into the market, which is good. So we can supply on some models a bit sooner. Um, but like, uh, like it's been said already, you know, used car demand has been really, really strong. And I think that's something that we can, you know, really focus on to convert now. So I think... Um, Yes, cost, the costs of our business are hurting us. Um, that's a factor year on year. But actually, when I look up at the top line of our business, our businesses are generating you know, very similar uh, levels of, uh, of direct profit and departmental level, which is, which is great. Uh, and and, and, and uh, you know, we're keen to, uh, to push that further forward. So, so coming back to your point there, interesting, you said, obviously, you represent a portfolio of brands. So you said the supply coming through in, in some areas and not in others. So what is the picture? Are, are people still, um, you know, having to wait months for vehicles? Um, or, or, or is that improving? Yeah, I think I think in, in large instances, the answer is yes. And in some brands, there are certain models which are, you know, well out, well out into 2023 for supply. Um, but every brand, I guess, has some stock on the ground as well. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, what we are trying to do is convert our customers into stock that's available now, pulling them back from long lead time, but also using the used car alternative as a really strong proposition. I think that's something that you've got to, got to, got to work hard at. You know, consumers do come in wanting specific make, model, color derivative. And uh, our job is to make sure we've got a close match to that best we can. From a used car point of view, so there's a lot of focus on buying the right used cars and going back to Mark's point earlier from Auto Trader, trying to best match we can supply and demand. Mm. Tom, you you um, principally Toyota and Suzuki. So um, when it when it comes to it, somebody's come and made a decision um, that they want probably one or two one of those uh, brands, one of those models. Um, what's what's supply and and management of the time, the lead time to get those products like? Um, I think, as Jason said, there is uh, differences between brands. We only uh, represent two brands, um, unlike Jason, probably many more. So my knowledge may be less wider, but I think that the picture is very similar, actually, across all brands. And particularly, 
Jason mentioned there about specific models, you know, the very desirable ones. Every brand has those still, and they are sometimes, you know, quite far into the future. But the key is that you are managing your order bank. Um, and at the moment, like a recent just said then, um, people's circumstances change. So we are seeing more where they may have ordered six months and they go, oh, energy prices and I'm not going to be able to commit to this. And you, you've really got to start managing that. But I think the key point is if someone cancels their order, you know, and they, they may have to do that for, for very personal circumstances, understand, but they're going to go to the back of the queue. And at the moment, the, the, the lead times are generally improving, but not, not really. So you go to the back of the queue, you're probably going to pay a higher interest rate and the price will be more because of inflation in labor markets and materials that, that that's still going up so i think that that's how we're managing it with our customer base but are they are they are the ordered rates coming in at the same rate as the delivery so uh, is it a sustained months period or are you sort of working through the backlog in other words i think it's a, it's an interesting point because i think the one thing the industry at the moment is not fully recognizing that's a positive and dealers should be is our forward order bank we, we literally never usually have that in normal circumstances you may have a few months but we've got you know up to a year and beyond perhaps so we've got secured orders that's a great position to be in um with the parallel between order bank v delivery order bank i think is slowing and we'll, we'll see that into quarter four because of seasonality so but not just that i think you know the market's cooling and all the other inflationary pressures but what we'll see with that is that many might get caught out you've got to keep your order bank as strong as possible because you don't need to think about today it's about tomorrow really that that, that you're driving so you know you're six nine months uh probably on average well between three and six more so but um, that's where your focus needs to be, not on today, but on tomorrow. But otherwise, this the delivery with the order bank will soon catch up with us. Yeah. You're watching Auto Retail Live. It's our business briefing um, in partnership with Auto Trader. And, and Mark Palmer um, is uh, a brand director at Auto Trader. Mark, anything you've got to share about uh, consumer behavior around orders? Because this is new, apart from premium luxury brands who, who who for years have had a waiting list. This is new for most of the market. What what's the consumer reaction to that? Are they are they jumping around from brands? Are they placing multiple orders and cancelling them? Or what can you see through 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 the data? Yeah, I mean all of the I completely agree with all of the stuff that, that, that Jason and Tom have just gone through there. It's really interesting. We are seeing different behaviors on the platform. Um, shortlists um, shortlists are kind of the same sort of size, you know, in terms of the brands considered that they were a couple of years ago. Um, but within that, we're seeing the, the mix change. And there are a couple of trends within that. Uh, we've seen brand consideration for, you know, uh, for, for, you know, for those, those brands that have brought out electric cars in the last um, six to nine months, rocket. Um, now, and when supply on the platform falls away, you know, when they've sold out of supply in the network, then, you know, the total level of interest in, in electric cars stays about the same but consumers move on to a different brand. So, for example, they might have been considering a Kia. Kia sells out of EV6, but, but you know, the overall interest is sustained by firstly Hyundai and then Seat and so on. So we are seeing people move between brands and, and a number of those brands are able to sort of elbow their way into consideration sets that they might not have been in before. I think that generally the trend, you know, for the last four months, we've seen new car stock advertised for sale on the platform growing. It's not growing 
you know, really rapidly. But we are starting to see um, broadly supply beginning to return to the market, as, as, as the guys have just said. What I would say, it's important to, um, to, to have a, you know, there are a couple of points I'd make on the, the future look. You know, interest is slowing down a little bit potentially you know that's what the you know some some retailers might be feeling in the market but there are a couple of important stimulus to that or stimuli to that which haven't yet come back in firstly advertising spend from manufacturers is half of what it would be in a normal kind of year so there's a chunk of money that is spent on stimulating you know demand or interest um and you know building brand and all that sort of thing our, our data shows us that that is currently, and was last year, about half of what it would normally be. Manufacturers are doing the minimum. Um, and that money, you know, when supply starts to come in, manufacturers will start to introduce that that, manuf- that marketing spend back in. Um, the second thing is discounts. So we know we're all used to discount levels on new cars, of wherever they may be, finance deposit allowances, subsidised rates, and all those kind of things, um, as well as cash incentives. Um, or, or Part X incentives. And of course, they, they've been pretty much non-existent. You know, it's been difficult to get a deal on a new car um, for the last couple of years because of the supply situation. So, you know, I think that the manufacturers are also will be, you know, they're, they're paying close attention to what, the, you know, supply is looking like, what demand is looking like and thinking at what point do they need to start to step back on the gas, um, which might give, retailers on you know on the call a bit of comfort if they're starting to see a slowdown across certain brands or, or sectors in the market that the manufacturers have still got to a degree if that supply is coming in levers they can pull to stimulate demand but you know from our perspective it's start supply started to increase um and and demand is kind of in line there's not been there's not a big delta between um, supply and demand we're, we're still fairly comfortable with where that relationship sits interesting points mark jason Hearing what Mark's saying about, you know, stuff is coming um, and, and products coming and maybe some advertising money will increase. Meanwhile, you've got a limited supply. You've got a sales team to motivate and pay. Um, how are you managing to do that? Because at the start of this of the crisis a couple of years ago, there was a shift from sales where you would recall um, you would um, you would motivate, reward salespeople with an order. Now, if the order fails to materialize or there's not quality in the order bank, you could end up paying money to salespeople for something that's not really worth having. How, how do you how do you overcome that? Because it's something business owners have to, to face across the industry. Yeah, I mean, you, you raise a valid point. I think it's, I don't necessarily see it as a, a big problem in our business. Um, you know, using the example of used volume as a substitute for new still generates, you know, here and now profitability. Um, I think we all went back and rebalanced, you know, the, the balance between base salaries and commissions some time ago because it was the right thing to do from a um, treating customer fairly and a, and a, and a, and a compliance perspective. Um, you know, volumes um, have continued to be really strong, um, you know, through, throughout the last couple of years. So, you know, I guess long story short, how we've managed to keep paying people hasn't necessarily been a, 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 a major concern, I think. I think what we have done is we've looked to make sure that we've got um, a really clear and tight processes. Um, what we had looked to do is make sure we're not le- leaking opportunity. Um, and I think, you know, if you look back over many years, you know, the motor industry is, has been a great place to operate, but has, has been a relatively leaky bucket in some areas. And I think what we've done is made sure that we've closed down that leakage so that we've got, you know, good tight process, you know, really great customer follow-up, 
making sure that we're um, selling across all of the channels when we sell um, to consumers and uh, and ultimately making sure that we're not making errors and mistakes on our side that end up costing us margin. Those are the things we've done that result then in paying our sales teams in particular, you know, really, really strong um, earnings. And, uh, you know, I think we've uh, we've enjoyed uh, longevity with our sales team, which is you know, a nice thing to have. Mm. Okay, let's let's take a look now at the used car uh, market. Mark, I'm going to come to you for for a bit of data to kick us off. Um, you know, probably doesn't take a genius to say that used car values are still strong, but uh, but what's your considered opinion? And, and give us a flavour, perhaps, how that spreads across the market in different segments, or or is everything good? Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, just just. Yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, it doesn't take a genius. You don't have one, so that's 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 good news for everybody. Um, yeah, prices <laughs> prices are up uh, year on year. You know, retail prices are still up year on year. We, we, we're running at 29 consecutive months of year on year price growth now on a like for like basis, um, and uh, so 16% was a price increase. And, and really now, in, in in the last three years, prices are up 40%. So you know we're in a very very different place to where we were, and that's still. Um, that's still the case. What is important again is what we're seeing in the data. We're returning to some sort of more normal seasonal trends, uh, which is worth sharing with, with everybody. Um, we started to look at what the month on month price changes look like when we go back, you know, across Augusts for sort of 10 years. What does August normally do um, versus, you know, the previous month? What happens in, in, in August versus a July and, and so on? And what we've seen in um, August 2022 versus um, July 2022, there's a slight increase, a month-on-month increase of 0.3%. Um, and what we've been looking at is, you know, is that normal for an August? And actually, when we go back to um, to, to 2019, there was a month-on-month decrease of 0.4%. So what we've seen is, uh, what that all tells us is, yes, prices are still very, very strong. Um, the, the market is starting to adjust to, to kind of more normal seasonal trends. Um, but there is absolutely kind of um, no, uh, again, back to that point on the headlines that we see, there is no um, no sign at all of anything um, crashing or changing imminently, um, certainly. And especially when I talked about demand earlier on being being healthy and robust, that's still the case. Um, and, and it does vary across um, our um, different, different parts of the market. You know, uh, there are seasonal trends emerging. We're seeing sort of, you know, convertible prices of, of you know, in terms of the increases. Uh, they've sort of stabilised a little bit, whereas others and, and SUVs, where more suppliers come back into the market, they haven't been increasing quite as much. Um, what I would say, um, and, and even across age cohorts, you know, as more supply comes in, there's a little bit of softening in pricing, still up year on year, and some are still um, suppressed. Younger used cars, uh, 0 to 3 years old, are down in volume terms between 30 and 40%. And that's going to carry on into next year because we haven't seen those new car registrations, of course, for the last couple of years. We've lost 2 million new car registrations that are not going to come back into the used market. So our, our assessment of it is um, there's still going to be a dearth of um, younger used car supply. Um, that is going to have its, you know, obviously knock on impact onto pricing. So, um, yeah, ups and downs across the market. What I'd say to, to people watching is the data, Tom mentioned it a second ago, is really, really important to pay more attention to that than ever before, um, making sure that you've got an eye on uh, what uh, what demand looks like in the local market for certain types of vehicles um, and what pricing and suppliers looking like. Tom, group strategy and innovation. So, you know, your, your, your title says that you're thinking about the future and, and, and how to move forward. Um, 
gravity eventually comes into effect. And, and Mark said, we've grown for 29 months. W what are you doing from a strategic position in terms of thinking about used cars and values? Are you cautious or are you basically happy to buy anything to, to get it in there because an empty piece of tarmac you can't sell? Yeah, thanks, Al. Um, I think firstly, your, your observation that, yeah, we, we sell cars, we can't sell thin air is, is important. I think the days have gone probably of that if you've got anything on your forecourt, you'll, you'll manage it to do a good job. That that was probably six, 12 months ago. So you really, like Mark says, you've got to be paying attention to the data. But in its simplest form, a market is supply and demand. So like Mark said there, two million new cars, which will probably mean, well, two million used cars that we're short of. Even if demand weakens, ha, ha, you know, the supply is not there anyway. So the, I think demand's going to, the market, sorry, will balance. I, I don't see anything to be extra cautious about. What what I have seen, and actually I've bought uh, probably 50 cars this week, just checking the markets, and obviously I've seen a few bits, so I've bought them, is you're not seeing your natural part exchange rate uh, because of new car supply. So I think most businesses are probably having to source. The market's probably starved of quality used cars. So that's why you've got to use the data. So whether that's in desirability or ownership or service, all of those things, the, the, there's not many quality used cars out there. So you've got to use the data. Um, but I don't, I don't foresee anything, like I said, back to my first point, a market supply and demand. So even if demand does weaken, there isn't going to be that much supply, at least for the next few years or, you know, as we look into the months, I think, as a final point, uh, Mark's, Mark mentioned about seasonal demand. I think there should be some, uh, not concern, but we should be paying attention going into quarter four because I think there might be volatility within certain sectors of vehicle, uh, probably an age bracket, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Give, give me an example. Sorry, being, being ignorant. So I, I, okay, fine. I think, um, the older segments of cars, which if you remember in lockdown one, kind of shot up in price because of uh, demand for not using public transport, those things. I think potentially we could see something not not exactly like that, but you know similar because of the cost of living crisis. And that that's an example. I think Mark's made the obvious point, which happens every year. You know whether whether it's this year or ten years ago that. Uh, soft tops etc are not going to be that desirable but i think what i'm saying is there are there are going to be very distinct changes within data sets that you've got to pay attention to because there will be volatility and that might put, uh, catch you out are you having to go further afield geographically um to source the quality vehicles than, than you were and i mean you know will you kind of think about scotland or cornwall to get something or or do you still think geographically um in in terms of where you're going to source vehicles from? Uh, two points on that. Actually, a lot of the auctions have now gone digital, um, which has its pros and cons, I guess. But you can effectively sit on 10 auctions at once if you've got enough screens, I guess, and you, 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 you're strange like me. But um, I don't necessarily pay lo attention to location at the moment. Obviously, delivery fees would be more, but I've just, I've just mentioned about the quality of stock. You need quality stock. It doesn't matter where you get it from. The second point I'd make is not about distance where we're purchasing from, but the channels. So a lot more 
his entrance into consumers, you know, selling their car and these, these new players, for example, I won't name them, but customers are more savvy. So we need to try and tap into those markets because we might ne not necessarily be getting the part exchanges anyway, even though new car supplies down because they think they can sell it elsewhere. So th there's a range of channels I think dealers need to consider to find quality stock. You're watching Auto Retail Network's Business Briefing. Uh, if you have a comment or a question, you're more than welcome to uh, contribute. You can type into the dialog box at the bottom of the screen or use the hashtag ARN Live. Jason, I want to come to you. Um, thinking ahead, we've heard Mark and uh, Tom refer to the the loss of 2 million vehicles um, into the market. Um, franchise dealers typically working on that one to three, maybe one to five year old market for after sales. Those vehicles aren't there. So, so what does that mm. mean, particularly for a business like yours? You've got 30 locations. You need the after-sales mm. traffic. How, how are you filling that gap? Yeah, I think um, it's a really fair point because we are seeing in some brands, you know, a contraction in the customer park. And, uh, you know, it's interesting in some brands where we could have relied on consumers just, just coming back year after year and booking in proactively. We've really had to sharpen our processes to make sure that we are keeping in contact, that we are making sure that the consumers are rebooking. I mean, what's interesting, we've seen the increase in, for example, self-service online booking. And so many more of our customers, when we send out our communications, are using a, an online booking process to book their ne next service. Um, that's really encouraging because uh, they're doing it often out of hours. Um, it saves the manpower on our side. However, what we've then got to do is make sure we still backfill that with really great core process around EVHC, making sure we're doing the red work conversion. So it comes back to that not having the leaky bucket sort of mindset that, uh, you know, every opportunity that comes to us now, we've got to we've got to make sure we maximise. And you have to make sure you do the right thing. I was having this discussion the other day about red work, for example. And, you know, got to remember, red work means it's, it's illegal. It's unsafe. You know, you really shouldn't drive it away without being done. So why is it in some businesses will still have low level of red work conversion? It often comes back to capacity and making sure you've got enough hours left each day. You know, we've got into the habit of going into each day overbooked. Maybe we're shorter, used to sort of filling the book, but are we able to deal with those unforeseen jobs as they come to make sure we're maximizing the profit opportunity on every job? But also giving our customers a great service, you know, uh, and uh, I think that's the big thing now. It's very public how um, uh, customer service levels so we really work hard on making sure that our you know, Google reviews and our Trustpilot reviews are all accurate and up to date and, and, and well cared for so that the consumer can make an educated choice as to, uh, as to where they come to. I think the moral of the story is, you know, it's not an analog process anymore after sales has gone digital. Um, we've got to make sure we've got great core process in place. And even if the park is reducing, there was still a lot of opportunity in the park before we weren't getting Let's go out there and get it again. It's the Auto Retail Network Business Briefing. Um, first question from Peter. Hello, Peter Cottle. How are you doing? Thanks very much for uh, joining us uh, on the webinar this afternoon. Peter says, uh, Tom, with most finance customers having more equity uh, in their current car than normal, what actions are you taking to proactively reach out to those customers before the agreement ends um, to generate more used car sales and keep them in the business? Hi, yeah, thanks for the question. No, it's a, it's a great question because obviously 
people do have equity. So we're not just ringing someone up uh, today and going, your agreement ends. One, because of if it's a new car, there is a supply delay. So we need to be having those conversations much earlier. I think what, what equity is provided is a more positive conversation in most circumstances and people can get into a newer car you know or a new car uh, for the same or you know in some instances it's been less but it, it gives you that opportunity to uh, talk to them i think there are equity also provides creative ways to manage customers so if you've got an existing customer and you might have had them for three years they could probably still change the car or at least have been able to and you're able to give them cash back. So there's there's a lot of ways to be creative about it, obviously within uh, regulation. Um, uh, but yeah, you, you've got to make sure you're talking to your customers, basically, because now's the time, because use values are still strong. So that gives you uh, a, another opportunity, I think. Jason, king of the process, uh, is, is, is this is this a revised process within your group um, that, that you've changed to reflect the, the, the differences and the need to contact the customer earlier? I wouldn't say revised. I think it's just evolved. Um, you know, I think we've we've always prided ourselves on having good good process. I think 2021, 2022, early part, uh, allowed some of that process to slip, you know, uh, in an over, over-demand marketplace, whether it's service or, or, or sales. You can, you can get a little bit... Uh, a little bit slacker, I guess, in, in how you do things. We've just gone back and revisited it, evolved it, strengthened it, uh, and made sure that uh, it's being measured and managed on a daily basis. Hmm. Comment from Connell Lavery. Hello, Connell um, from RWA. Um, he quotes Warren Buffett, uh, who said, you don't find out who's been swimming naked until the tide goes out. Um, you may be familiar with that um, uh, phrase. Interesting, particularly about the performance of, of businesses. Obviously, with last year being probably the most profitable um, year for, for many years because of the rise um, in used car values. Tide obviously seems to be turning a bit. Jason, with your, your experience working across a range of retailers, what, mm. what, what kind of dealers do you think retailers are going to be at most risk at the moment um, with the tide eventually starting to come out? Who's really going to be in trouble? Um, I think uh, we've used the point a lot today, data. If you're not data-driven, then that's going to expose you. Um, if you've not got a, a innovation and um, evolution mindset, that's going to expose you. And I think also expecting everything to stay like it was last year, which is often a hope from people, that's going to expose you. And I think if you're prepared to address those those sort of three areas of thinking differently, being proactive, and getting on the front foot, then then you're going to be okay. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a brand bias. Because there's some premium brands and some, you know, everyday brands that are doing tremendously well. By the same token, uh, I think you've just got to be brilliant in the basics. That's that's our motto. Nick Golding, hello, Nick. Thanks for your question. Um, he says, I wonder whether the forward order list that Tom mentioned um, is seen as an opportunity to maximise customer satisfaction and increase the lifetime value of the customer. Tom, what are your thoughts on that? I noticed you recently won one of the big awards from Toyota, the Ichiban Award, which is a, a customer um, satisfaction award. Do you, do you see an order bank as an opportunity? Um, seeing an order, like I said earlier, managing your order bank is, is critical. Um, uh, see it as an opportunity, I think, you know, we, we work with our brand partners and, you know, there are things that we can't control and things that they can't control. So 
if you do it well, I'm sure it will it will probably produce loyalty in in the in the future. But I think at the moment, like you said, we've just got to manage everything because things do change um, and they change often. And that can be whether a car's coming in a week. There was you know there was meant to come in three months or the opposite way round, um, or actually a customer that has a change of circumstances. Things are changing, so. It's a it's an opportunity, yes, but I think it's it's a it's a difficult one to manage, and we've just got to do our best to to manage it. But it's a good thought, yeah. Quick one, uh, stay with me, Tom. Rod Addis, hello, Rod. Um, asking a question about the quality of stock management for used cars, and and asking for advice on on what you would focus on in terms of stock management in the coming months. Hi, Rod. I know Rod well, so um, I think we should be asking him this question. But uh, thanks for the question, Rod. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, what I was saying earlier, as, as we've all actually really, really pushed about data and what I said earlier about the mark, the different segments of cars that you know could be very fine. There could be volatile changes within that. So we've got to be on, on the ball. Um, on about the sleeping beast or whatever we've been talking about, you know, what people have been enjoying. I think, I think there are some, I think there are used car retailers still that have issues with their pricing. And if, if you're not right now and your, your painting stock is not brilliant, you may have a problem. So I, I think Rod, you, your point about stock management is critical. You need to get that. We need to know where we stand because if things are volatile, you, you, you don't want to be taking, significant hits um not that the market's going to drop like that but that there might be specific models that do so you know review your processes review what your stock management processes are in, in reality and what happens when that car's 90 days not every car's now appreciating in value so you can't just uh, bank on what we did in the last two years or year our time is nearly done we have got um a quick tour of the panel to take a final tip something to take away and use uh, in your business in the coming days. Uh, but I would like to turn, first of all, Mark Palmer, um, Brand Director for Auto Trader. What's your takeaway um, from today, Mark? I'm encouraged, actually, by, um, by the kind of, um, by the perspective that the, the other panellists have given. It's been, it's, been, it's been good. You know, we, we, we're told outside by the media, aren't we, that things are, you know, could potentially be, be, be really difficult. But actually, you know, if you do the right things and we go back to some of the best practices and processes, the brilliant basic stuff uh, that Jason talked about, then retailers will, will be fine. And, and, to, and to just bring in the stuff that Tom's talked about, they're really important, you know, understanding the dynamics of supply and demand at a local level. Um, what is buyer demand and what, what do we think that's going to do with days to sell? Th those are the real key things um, that, that retailers are enjoying, you know, ongoing success have really implemented so with all of that change that's going on in the market around different sourcing or you know franchise retailers sourcing you know unfamiliar brands and that kind of stuff never been more important to them um, to do what what jason and tom have been talking about i mean really really pretty encouraged by it yeah tom your takeaway today what tip would you would you give um to fellow retailers this afternoon i think given whilst there are you know good positives in the market it's going to be challenging I think we all know that if we're realistic with ourselves. Um, so what I'd say is uh, maximise your existing customer base uh, retention. We spoke about that today. So marketing, actually, you know, I think you mentioned now that brands are spending half. I didn't know that, but obviously it's based on supply and demand. But 
how many people are actually going to start walking to showroom? We still need conquests, but what I'm saying is, are you looking after your existing customers? Uh, why let them go anywhere else? You know, have that first conversation. Uh, and that's across sales and after sales. I think there's a massive opportunity there. Um, and, you know, one of the questions was about equity. There still is equity in cars. So let's have those conversations. Let's look after our existing customers, which is a cheaper alternative than the blowing out marketing spend. There's opportunities within our businesses today. And final word, Jason Cranswick, Chief Operating Officer at Maribone Auto Investments. Um, I think you need three things in today's market, skill set, mindset, tool set. Go back and check whether you've got all those three things in play and uh, use all of them effectively. This has been the business briefing from the Auto Retail Network. Thank you for taking time to join us this afternoon. Hope it's been useful. Uh, you can, of course, share this with other colleagues and watch on Catcher. Um, and you can continue the conversation using the hashtag ARNLive. Thanks to our editorial director, Tristan Young, who's been behind the scenes making it all happen, and to Guy at the Controls. On behalf of me, Al Clark, have a great weekend.